Good morning, True North. How are you guys doing this morning? You doing good? Well, before I welcome up our guest speaker today, I just wanted to say hi to our family at SEI Chester in partnership with God Behind Bars. So why don't we give them a round of applause? We love you guys, your family. And I also have exciting news to share with you guys. Pastor Jesse and Liza had baby number five this week. Little Malachi, he's a healthy little handsome boy. So we're excited about the new addition as a family as a whole. So pray for them. It's always fun when you bring a new one home with lots of kids. They just love really hard, you know. You parents know. They love on the newborn really hard. But we're excited for them. Um, I get the privilege of introducing Dr. Scott Wilson. And I was thinking about it. I had to think about it a while because I'm like, how long have I known Scott? And it's been 16 years since I was in Bible college and he came to be a guest lecturer at Bible college. And I said, you know, I was intimidated by a lot of the pastors and the guests that we had. And they were, you know, very serious and knew the word, word of God and they were reverent. And then, you know, I'm like, my family, we love Jesus and we love the word of God, but we're a little wild. And then I met Scott. And I said, he would fit in perfect. And I said, you know, we just, we literally had just started True North Church. We were a baby. We were meeting in the VFW hall. And I went up to him and I said, you have to come to True North Church. And here he is. He was speaking at churches of, you know, all different sizes, big churches. And he was like, I'll be there. And I just thought that was so cool. He didn't care that we were just a tiny little group of ragtags meeting in a VFW hall that he was willing to invest and sow into our house right from the beginning. So he has literally seen it from the start to where we are now. And he is family. I will claim that he's family. He's been in, a, he's been in our family for 16 years, so I have to claim it now. But True North, why don't we stand up? I said I was going to tell how he, what he did when he first met Pastor Jesse, but we'll save that for later. But why don't you guys give um, Dr. Scott Wilson a True North welcome as he comes up here to encourage you guys. <laughs> okay, please be seated. Thank you. I tried to jump the platform. I made a bet with Katie I would be able to jump the platform, but uh, nah. The problem of the platform is too high. It has nothing to do with me whatsoever. This week, I'm going to be speaking at a men's um, physical, they do physical training, and they're doing their graduation, and they've asked me to get, be the guest speaker, and it's because they want to show these guys what will happen if you don't do any <laughs> physical training. So here I am, part of the family. Every family has a bad sheep in it, and I'm that one. But the truth is, I do feel very much part of this family. Um, we've hung out, as I said this morning, we hung out, we hang out in between these moments when I come on the phone, we're talking, chatting away. They attend stuff we do in Europe and they are, and I need to say this, which I didn't say this morning, but this church is an incredible willing supporter of what I'm doing in Europe. And without you guys getting behind what we do in Europe, to be fair, uh, I don't think I'd be able to do as much as I do. I don't pastor a church, which is really good for me and really good for people. <laughs> so I go and visit churches pretty much every day uh, of the week and midweek, flying all over the place, visiting and helping the churches do what they do. Um, 
During the COVID time, it was rather difficult for itinerant preachers because we couldn't get out on the road and do what we wanted to do. Uh, but we had guys like you step up to the plate and just spontaneously at times say, can we help you in any way? For that, I want to say a huge appreciation and I'm very grateful for that because it has made a difference to our world. So thank you, church, for getting behind us in Europe. Anyway, I'd like to get started by telling a story today. Um, when I was about 23, I think, 24, my wife and I planted a church in uh, the, about four hours out of Melbourne, Australia, um, four hours drive. And it was a small village of about 2,000 people. The next village up from us was 750 people. It was an hour and a half away, and we planted a church there as well. So coming back to what you said, I love church planting. Every, every seed that's planted becomes something in the end. And look at the seed that was planted here 16 years ago and the fruit you're bearing, and it's only just really beginning. Um, the book of Acts is 35 years of church history. When you read the book of Acts in 20 minutes, you're reading 35 years of church history. You've done half of the book of Acts in one location here. Imagine what the next 16 years can be like and the things you can achieve. We were out there doing this church planning. We had a small child and um, we were doing quite well. We were enjoying what was happening. We had a, a, a reasonably good growing church and that was going back now 40, 40 years almost. This is a long time ago. Both churches are still there today, which is pretty cool. Um, but we were invited, or I was invited to come and speak in Melbourne in one of the bigger churches there. At that time, it was about 700 people. I'd never spoken to a crowd that size before. I hadn't been to Bible college. I hadn't had any training. All I knew to do was to plant something for the glory of God and have a go. So this guy invited us down to come and preach in his church. Never done this before. I was nervous to say the least. Standing out in the back room, a little hall attached to the church building, and the pastor said to me, come on, let's pray together. So I began to pray the way I thought you should pray before you were about to preach. I began to walk up and down and I was shouting out and screaming out and crying out. And, God, send your anointing. Send your, oh Lord, send your anointing. Send your anointing. <laughs> and I noticed that he wasn't praying. And I turned around and he was leaning on the wall with his arms folded, shaking his head. And I said, excuse me, why aren't you helping me here? And he said, why? This, watch, this is what he said. Why are you praying prayers God can't answer? And I said, I don't understand what you are saying. He said, 1 John 2.20, you have an anointing. 1 John 2.27, and the anointing that abides in you. He said, why are you praying for something that you already have? And I said, well, you know, I want the presence of God to come down into the room so that I can do what I have to do. And he said, look, to be fair, if you haven't got the anointing and you need to get an anointing and you don't have one, then it's probably better you don't preach today. <laughs> and I thought that's actually a very good point. Now, this word anointing is the word presence or God's favour, God's presence in your life. And it's a very powerful word and it's the idea of the anointing is firstly, as I just said, it's within us. It's something we carry. 
And it is also external to us. It can come out of the sky, if you like, and fall down upon a crowd of people or individuals, and it's very external. The problem with the external anointing, I'll call it that, is that you can't actually make that happen. You can't say, I'd like the anointing to fall on me at two o'clock in that particular session where I'm preaching. That's not how it works. It's that, that anointing, that presence of God falling is more of a bonus than the actuality of who we are. It's, a, it's an extra. And I love that, by the way. I think there has to be plenty of room in our lives for the anointing or presence of God to be able to manifest itself in the crowd, on your lives, at any time you need it. I'm not denying that. I'm saying that's essential. But it's really not possible to get it because you prayed it at a, spe- at a specific moment or you fasted for it. This I do know. I have an anointing which is permanent and resident within me now as I stand here before you and you have an anointing which is permanent and resident in you now. And even if you never experience the external presence of God, you know you have an internal presence of God or anointing that is with you morning, noon and night. And we need to spend more time working on what's resident than trying to get something that can't come unless God wills it to be so. And that's a luxury that we get at times, but it's not something we can create. So I began to realise, of course, that I'd, I'd made a mistake in the way I was seeing things, that I was waiting for something external to happen when, in fact, I already carried through what Jesus had done through the empty tomb, which is your theme, already within my life. The benefits of the empty tomb are not a theology on resurrection and going to heaven. The benefits of the empty tomb is that you and I now have the presence of God dwelling in us from the moment we receive God, Jesus, into our lives. And let me say this, if you're visiting us, you're here the first time or maybe walked away from God and you're coming back into church life, let me tell you, there's this amazing opportunity, (coughs) excuse me, before we finish this meeting, for you to experience God dwelling in you. When you look at the Old and New Testament, you'll understand that the Old Testament focused a very uh, a huge amount on the external presence of God because there was no cross to accent or act, actuate the presence of God in people. It was at the point of the cross and then the resurrection that we received the anointing in, eternally. In Acts chapter two, it's called the day of Pentecost. And they received the presence of God on them all. All of them who came from any race or any tribe or any tongue were anointed that day with the presence of God internally. Sometimes when I'm trying to get it externally, I'm behaving like an Old Testament saint as if I do not have anything internally. But I have, and you have, the presence of God internally. And that's what makes the difference. In fact, We are the only major religion in the world that preaches and teaches and believes that you have God's presence living in you eternally and internally. No other religion preaches that. Nobody out there says, in fact, what they say, if you've got to do a whole lot of these religious exercises just to be right with God, 
Jesus through the empty tomb has made us right with God plus dwells in us. And I, I'll be honest with you, I don't think we really enjoy that or understand that as much as we should. Christianity is not a belief system where I do certain things to be right with God. It's something I have within me because I already am right with God. You see, the gospel being the good news is not a statement that I, I hope I'm good enough for God. And that's a mistake a lot of people make. I hope I'm good enough for God. I hope I'm okay with God. And then he might accept me. That's not the gospel. The gospel is I accept him. He doesn't accept me. Listen carefully. That's called good news. It's bad news when I have to be right enough for him to accept me. Because I'll help you with this. I'll never be that good. You will never be that right. You will never be that set apart. But when I reach out and accept Him for what He has done through the resurrection of Jesus and I receive that into my life, I am now fully present with God in my heart and my being and I haven't done anything to deserve it. It's all by His grace. That's what makes us so starkly different between every other major religion. So somebody might say to you one day, well, what's the difference between Christianity and all the others? And here's your answer. The fact that Jesus died and, and I accepted him, not he didn't accept me, I accepted him. He now lives in me. That's the difference. The empty tomb caused that or allowed that to be the difference. Friends, what we have to do, I think, is rise up and not wait for God to bring to presence himself on us, but rather rise up and walk with what we have and understand what we carry. Do you know that presence that we have within us actually should affect atmospheres wherever we go? We are meant to, to change atmospheres by what we carry in us. Here's the thing that's a little risky, I hear some say. Well, in the service today, I didn't really sense God's presence. I didn't really feel God's anointing. You're missing out on the part where you contribute to that by causing your anointing to bubble forth, to rise up, to come out, to express itself. When you're looking for it to come down through the worship, which is great here, or through the preaching, which is really good today, and if you're looking for that to happen and come down, it's not going to happen for you. That's all personal preference. What we should be doing is releasing what we have already and let that come out. So the great thing about Sundays when we get together is celebrating everything that Jesus has done in us and letting it come out of us. Now that is very much, of course, a New Testament theology. And Paul uh, taught us mostly about that. We saw it mainly in the book of Acts. But Jesus talked about it as well. In fact, a lot of the words Jesus spoke were very much to this moment I'm talking about now. Now Jesus, we know, was working primarily in a Jewish culture. We can see that by the way he related to Gentiles at the time. And he talked about, I've come for the lost sheep, the house of Israel and so on. So I can't get into that. Paul the apostle, however, was embracing, wasn't he, all of humanity. He took what Jesus had done on the cross and he applied it to every person, the Gentile, the Greek, the, the, the Jew, the whole lot. He, he, he took it to the rest of the world. But Jesus in his world worked in a very small geographical area. He didn't travel like Paul much. And, and he worked mainly with Jewish culture. Now, Jewish culture, everything about Jewish culture at that time that Jesus lived in, everything was about water. 
and the washing of water to be clean before God. So if you weren't washing all the time and cleansing yourself all the time, you couldn't be clean before God. It's a little bit like us saying today, I have to do certain practices, certain religious things to be right before God. I have to pray this many times a day or I have to uh, go through these rituals I have to because God won't accept me because I'm not clean. See, that's still Old Testament thinking. That's still very much how the Jews were th- thinking. If I don't wash, I'm not clean. So they had washing of feet, of course, as we know, washing of the hands, uh, many types of different washing, many types of baptisms, as they called it, to keep themselves clean. And Jesus talked about this water that was essential for, for cleaning. In fact, actually, Jew, Jewish people, some of the more um, uh, richer Jews and some of the religious Jews would have what called mitvahs in their homes, which were, which were really just holes in the ground like swimming pools. And they would go into these every day and wash themselves fully down the set of stairs. And then they would have to enter another set of stairs out. You could never turn around and go back the stairs you came out of. So they, they were washing and cleansing all the time. And we actually misrepresent sometimes what's happening when Jesus is telling parables without understanding that. For example, the parable of the Good Samaritan where uh, the two religious people walking down the road, two Jewish religious people walking down the road, and they saw a man who had been beaten up on the side of the road, but they crossed the other side and went on with their journey. And often that's been translated by some of us. Well, you see, religious people don't care about the needy much. They don't want to reach out to the needy, but the Samaritan man, he reached out to the needy. That's actually not the context. The context is washing. These people had washed themselves to get pure to go to a particular place or journey they were on. If they touched that man, they would have to go home and wash all over again. So it was about washing rather than their duty of care for a sick person. It was about cleansing cleansing themselves. And they didn't want to bother with all the, go, go through all the routines again, which would hold up their journey. It's not that they didn't care, it's just that this thing got in the way. And sometimes that happens with uh, religions that put doing things first rather than the right things first. Because if you don't practice this and that and the other, you're not right with God. And there's lots of stories like this. Um, When the blind man had to be washed, Jesus put mud on his eyes, remember, and said, go and wash in the Pool of Siloam. Well, the Pool of Siloam was actually one of these large cleansing water tanks and they would go in and they would cleanse and wash and do their duty as Jews and climb out the other side. And when he came out, his eyes were opened. Now, the water was powerful for the Jewish culture. But what did Jesus say? He flipped the coin on it and he said, it's not external washing that counts, it's internal rivers that count. He said, you have rivers of living water within you. They didn't understand a word he was saying because he was preaching to post-cross, post-empty tomb experience where you would receive the presence of God like a river that would flow out of you rather than trying to do some cleansing and righteous works external to you. And this anointing, this river that he talked about became the anointing that we currently have today. See, friends, if you walked out of this place today aware of the anointing you carry and what influence and change that can make, everything in your world would be a different thing. When we wait for God to presence himself with us or God to turn up externally, because that's more a plus or a bonus 
than the norm, we get frustrated with our Christian faith. We think things like this, God doesn't really care for me because that person over there had an experience, but I didn't. Well, that person over there felt that, but I didn't. Well, that person over there saw this or experienced that, but I didn't. So I must be lesser of a Christian or I'm not as good a Christian. Well, actually, I'll help you with this. You're all equal as a Christian because you all have the same anointing. You have the presence of God living within you. Now, it might be that some experience that different because they carry different gifts, which are also given by grace. So the Holy Spirit gives gifts by grace, which are internal. But don't, don't confuse your gift sets with that anointing, with that presence. The presence of God is the same for all of us that dwells in us. It's the deposit, as Paul wrote in Ephesians, the deposit we have of God within us. We've all got it and it should change everything about how we live. See, my identity, and that's a big one today, isn't it? The finding identity. Now, I think identity for the Christian is found in two ways. And the first one is this, I am in Christ. And the second one is, He is in me through the Holy Spirit. What's my identity? I'm in Him and He's in me. There's my identity. Do I need to know more or less about this and that and the other thing? All I need to know is I'm in Him and He's in me and I'm going to live according to that rule, that thing that I carry. Wherever I go, it changes everything. It, it should change the way I think. Sometimes our thought life is so confused and so really concentrating on external things when actually we should be drawing, as Jesus said, from the river of living water or the anointing we carry within us into our thought world. The Holy Spirit living in us is not interested in, he's, he's, not, he's interested in us doing stuff for his kingdom rather than we hope one day he might presence himself to do something. You know, people are looking for the call of God. They're looking for something external to help them know that this is God for them. They're praying for something out there. When actually the Holy Spirit in us is trying to move us forward into everything he has for us step by step every day. You will never hear the Holy Spirit say, and say to you something like this. Well, you better get up this morning. We both have to get up. I live in you. That's a biblical thing. I don't really want to but it's a biblical thing. Once you receive Jesus, I've got to come in. And now we've got to do this together. But you're not, you know, I don't really like you as a person. You'll never hear that. That's some other voice you're listening to. It's not God. No, God's voice is, you can do this. Get up, get started, get going, get moving. I'm with you. I'm with you always. Don't you love that? Not externally, internally. I'm with you wherever you're going, whatever you're having to do. I'm the river of living water that you should draw on. I'm the stream that's ready to gush forward and change your environment. When you go to work, take me with you. You take me with you. So let me influence what you're doing. When you go into an environment or an atmosphere you don't like, let me influence what you're doing. Because we carry the presence of God. When I came back from that trip down in that church preaching, something changed. It changed in me so powerfully that I saw how I related to people completely different now. What it did was it gave me a confidence I didn't have before. It made actually the ministry work I was doing in that church plant so much easier to do. 
because I was always wondering why God didn't do something when actually he had given me everything I needed to do to do it anyway because I had an anointing. Anyway, we got back home and we were in our, um, you know, the small town and we were sort of ostracized a bit because we were the, the, the new Pentecostal pastors in town. We were young and uh, we, we didn't know much and we were the new, well, you might say the new weirdos have just turned up, really. Um, who are these people? This is going back 40 years. Who are these people and what are they about? And we got invited to a wedding, first one in town. And um, I wasn't going to do anything special here and change water into wine. I'm telling you that now. I didn't go with that in mind. But I went along to this wedding and I noticed that <laughs> we were stuck on this, um, well, we were stuck on a table in a dark corner. I'll put it that way. Well, we've got these people here because they know our kids, but actually let's put them over there out of the, light, out of the way and, and just ignore them really because they've got to be here, but they shouldn't really be. And I'm like sitting there after I've had my mind tweaked on this and I thought to myself, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to sit in this dark corner. I, I have an anointing. I watched them out in the, in the, in the, in the uh, have it celebrating the wedding and they were all dancing and the music was playing and they were, they were knocking it back and having fun and the noisy band going on and we were sitting over there and I thought to myself, I can influence this atmosphere more than they can because I have an anointing. I remember walking out into the middle of that dance floor just standing there saying, hi, how are you? Good to meet you. Do you know who I'm? I'm the new Pentecostal pastor in town. Great to meet you. Suddenly the music sort of stopped and people just stood there. And it just all quietened down. And everybody just looked at me and they actually started to move away from me and said, hello folks, just want to introduce myself. I'm the new pastor in town. Great to be here with you at the wedding. Hope you're enjoying yourself. Please carry on. And I walked away. Because in the old days, when I lived in the Old Testament view of God's presence, I was waiting for God to come on me and do something. But I realised I already carried something. You and I carry something everyone's after. You and I carry a deposit of God that everyone would love to have. We need to walk in it, talk in it, behave in it, act in it, be it wherever we go. Don't draw externally down. Pull up from what's within. Take what you have and pull out that river of living water, as Jesus talked about, and let that soak everyone in your midst. Let it affect your mind, your way of thinking. Let it affect how you feel. Think about that. Think about how we feel sometimes. That's the time when we say, I have an anointing. I have the presence of God. That is more important to me than any way I feel. Any thought I have, I will draw on His presence because you can go out and do religious exit. Please give me a verse, Lord. Please give me a prophecy, Lord. Please let somebody speak to me in encouragement, Lord. Please come and presence yourself. You don't have to. You've got all that internally. It's called the anointing. It's called His presence. It's why He died and rose again so that not only would it be a theological statement that sets us apart for eternity, but that we would live with it every day of our lives. I love Jesus for that. That Jesus was not trying to make a religion, but an experience of living with Him. A, a situation where we could engage in the dynamic of working with Him. Friends, I'm going to pray for you in a moment. And I'm going to pray that God would help you, like me, 
realize how important that anointing is as you leave this building. Father, I thank you today for the hundreds who are here gathered. I don't know why they're here or what they've come for particularly today, but I hope there's something in this message where they will shift their attention from external to the internal presence of God living within them, the anointing they carry. That's what you promised us. That's what we've received. That's what changes us and we want it to do its work. Father, I pray that in this place, that anointing would flow, as Jesus said, like rivers of living water, that nobody would leave this place dry, barren or empty, but the rivers of living water, that anointing would saturate all they do. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless you folks. See you next time. Amen. Come on, what a word. That was incredible, Scott. Well, we don't end a service without giving people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. This is the most important part of the service. This is why we do it. It's so that people that haven't made Jesus Lord of their life, haven't said yes to that gift that, that um, Scott was talking about. You have to, rec- you choose him. He loves you. He already went to the cross for you. The tomb is empty so that you can get in right standing with God. You don't have to do it. You don't have to work for it. You just have to receive it. It's a gift. It's a gift. We earn the wages of our actions, of our sins. We've earned death. But the gift of God is eternal life. It's a free gift. You don't have to strive. You don't have to fix yourself. You don't have to wait till next week when you can try not to curse or do things that you shouldn't do and then come back and receive God. He takes you as you are. And we just have to receive it. So that's you today and you know that you need Jesus. And like I always say, I don't have to beg you or, or convince you. The Holy Spirit has already been speaking to you during this whole entire service. You know you need to do things different. You know you need to let go of the reins and surrender them to Jesus. And if that's you, we're going to say a prayer. And you're not going to say it by yourself. The whole church is going to say it. But in Romans 10, 9, it says, If you believe, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from yourself. Saved from sin. Saved from eternity apart from God. So church, why don't we bow our heads right now? And we're going to say this prayer. And if you're saying it for the first time, all you have to do is believe in your heart. Believe these words. You just repeat after me, church. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. I am now a Christian. I choose you to be Lord of my life. Come into my life. I receive that anointing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, church. Why don't we give them a round of applause? If you said that prayer for the first time, our teams out there, they're waving these Bibles. It's a gift for you. Don't just run out of here and don't tell somebody. We are excited for you. And you cannot do the Christian life alone. There is no such thing as a Christian Lone Ranger. God made the church for you to be connected, to be encouraged, to be challenged. But church, why don't we stand up? I'm just going to pray for you guys before we go. God, I thank you for every individual that is in this room right now. 
I thank you for everyone that has accepted you, that has received that gift, that they have the anointing, that they are the church, that they don't need a microphone and stand on a stage to bring the gospel into the world, that you've given them anointing, your spirit is with them wherever they go, their homes, their workplaces, their school, God. Lord, let them know that they have the authority to claim the gospel and the good news wherever they go, God. Give them God opportunities to invite people to Easter. Give them God opportunities to share their testimony this week, Lord. And we just thank you for using us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen, church. We love you. We'll see you next week.